hello everybody, it's Antonio Wakawelli um, right here in the Mass Music Radio headquarters and welcome back to MMR Talks. Uh, how's everybody doing today? I'm joined today, of course, by Mr. Shlomo Bo. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And our special guest today, who are you, young man? My name is Chris Cross, man. I'm pleased to be here. We're glad to have you. Uh, so how's everyone uh, been? For us right now, we're nearing the end of summer going into the fall, so how's that change been for everybody because you know we go through this every single mm-hmm. year and you always feel like it's going to be different but then it's not the case right i think uh for me personally i'm very productive in the evenings like i don't when the sun goes down i i rise up like i'm always i'm always working or doing something so when the fall comes around i i get somewhat excited you know i think it's sort of a new chapter you know and uh everything just picks up production picks up um, last few weeks, this last week in particular, uh, the business has just been really picking up. So it's been good, man. Yeah. Also, I'm I'm doing well as well, man. I mean, uh, it's been been a lot of ups and downs this this year. Obviously, uh, very challenging. Um, I'm glad that that you know the worst has avoided uh, my circle of people, you know, thus far, man. And I'm I'm very appreciative of that. Right. You know, just health in general and. You know, just for the little things. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to this winter. Winter is normally a time when, you know, I try and I try and get myself together, man, and uh, you know, start looking at what what I want to do for uh, for the springtime. Um, so, yeah, we're back in the lab. Yes, sir. I have been having an interesting. Let's see, what time is it now? I've been having a very interesting, like. 18 to 20 hours oh yeah so i I told them i told everyone here uh before i came in but i'll just say for our listeners someone from my past whom i've had not spoken to in a very long time has seemingly reinserted themselves into the picture that i've been painting for myself so we'll see where this goes but i'm not too hopeful i'm very the the only thing that I love right now are my kids. Remember when in the 2010s and MMR talk. So <laughs> I'm very focused with that. And Damn, that's I th- tough, man. I hope yeah. she's not listening. <laughs> no, I actually hope, hope she, she is. is. That's another listener. I know. Yeah. Tell, tell your friends. We do good stuff here. Is this just me? But I've always felt like, because I just remember school so much. To me, I've always kind of felt that September is kind of the beginning of the year in a way because I always just have that association. That's when school starts. Right. And that's just, moving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And summer kind of is just like a good climax and a good way to end the year, having it be all good. But I think that's just me because I've always, growing up, I've always kind of felt like September is the January and September is just kind of the beginning of the new year. Yeah. I blame I, school. I agree. You know, the leaves start falling. You get that, that change of scenery. Everything just... Out with the old and with the new. That's exactly it. Yeah. It really is like a literal change of scenery. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. For me, it's uh, it's more of a winding down of uh, what's been going on. I, I, I like to I like to move with nature a lot. Um, so I believe in the springtime, you know, is when when you're planting seeds. And then in the, in the summertime, you reap the you reap the harvest of those. Mm-hmm. After exactly. they've had time to grow. And then uh, in the fall, for me, is a, is a turning of the soil. So, you know, what what was in the garden of life for me this year, you know, I kind of I kind of recycle that into the soil and, and start thinking about 
you know the the next the next crops that we're going to plant and uh, what's coming next. So it's a beautiful metaphor. That's like exactly that. it. Because the I fall, like fall is is it's harvest season, and then when we go into into uh, what's that point called winter? That's all the indoor planting to get it ready for the spring. Right. Can't wait for that. So uh, let's talk about uh, today's topic. Today's topic is a bit more. It actually it's kind of ironic compared to the last episode, which is about scams. <laughs> And uh, this episode is going to be about the concept of ethics. Mm. Ethics. So for the, for the people here, how do we define just ethics in general? Like if there was a dictionary definition that I didn't put down, because I don't want to look it up. I know what ethics is, but yeah. what do you guys think? Uh, I'd say very briefly that's just a, uh, a way to live your life um, and a way to conduct yourself. Yeah. As concise as it can be, a way to conduct yourself. I would say uh, ethics are uh, a set of like kind of rules that we go by, whether it's work or or uh, in society, that um, you know are, are directly connected to you know what society believes that your morals should be, and mm-hmm. you know those kind of things. I think about you. I think you hit the nail on the head when you brought up how we conduct ourselves. Because I want to briefly discuss if there is a difference between the concept of ethics and morals. Mm. And to me, I think there is a difference. If I can cut in, I feel like ethics. I've always internalized it as, excuse me. I always feel that ethics is like reactionary, like how we exactly what you said, how we conduct ourselves, mm-hmm. the way our ethics doesn't allow me to do this. How am I supposed to act and what should I be doing with this? I think with morals, I think morals, I think is mentally. It's like, you know, that's why they have the phrase, the moral compass. Right. Like, I feel like morals is inside and ethics is outside. Like, you always Ah. see, like, a code of ethics, not like a code of morals or, like, a morality. Mm -hmm. Because, like, when you have the word morality, it comes along, like, spirituality. Right. Kind of like a a philosophy, if you will. Do you guys think there's a sort of difference between ethics and morals and how we act and use them? That's a very interesting point. Uh, I think they also go hand in hand. You know, you can't really have one without the other. Um, and I think they always they should always align. You know, it's hard to have, you know, unethical practices and still be considered a moral person. Um, right. Yeah. I feel like they're directly uh, tied together. Uh, morals being more of an internal thing mm-hmm. um, that, you know, you have personally. I think I think morals are you know, for you to decide um, and what's been taught to you. And I think ethics ha- is is what's outside of that. Like, so say you're at your job and, uh, you know, they're, they have their code where it's like, we must not have these things happen. Although we understand that some people do have them happen in their own personal life. Um, there's just no room for that here. So when I think about ethics... I tend to externalize things like you were saying, um, Antonio. Uh, I tend to tend to feel like that's more of like in the workplace or in public or, right. you know, otherwise. And when I think about morals, I think about, you know, your your internal compass and, and, you know, what really guides you and the set of guidelines that you've set up for yourself and what standards you, you're going to hold yourself up to. Right. Everybody like, has different ones, too, which is a, which is an interesting conundrum it is like i feel like like when we talk about morals and ethics like i feel like i'm sitting down with my boss 
Well, my my boss wouldn't have to do this because I'm a good employee, right, Shlomo? Exactly. But they would be. It would be like, like contrasting. It'd be like your actions are unethical, and go against the morals of our company. Right. So yeah, I feel like definitely. it comes off as uh, two different tracks, and I really do think um, ethics is. I'm trying to remember. Oh. I remember. I remember the thing that I wrote because when I wrote this episode and I was reviewing it, getting ready, I think of ethics as exterior, right. like what happens outside of who we are, and morals are mental. The inside, moral, mental, ethics, external. That's just the way that I see it. Like you know, veins in arteries away for blood ah. into the body. See, we're getting into anatomy now. Yeah, this is an ed- educational show. <laughs> Get your notepads ready. Where have you guys? Um, we've been we've been around the block some. More than others, sometimes we've gone the other way around the block, and we've picked up our own codes of ethics. What do you think? Like, what have you done, or who have you learned it from to help you know, redefine how you see the world, how you like conduct yourself, and basically what makes your personal code of ethics? Um, personally, I think that for me, I I pick up on my peers a lot. Um, you know the circle you're around how you conduct yourself within that circle within your team your family uh that's big for me and in terms of looking at where it comes from uh, i've had a lot of great uh role models in my life and um honestly it comes from them just seeing the way that they handle certain situations and to be honest i think i've learned a lot more from people's mistakes like i see i see when people react in a negative way and I internalize that and I, I you know I try to think about all right if I was in their shoes how could I act differently and I try to always you know keep that in mind when I'm presented like a, a difficult situation where it's like all right I could react this way or I can you know take a step back take a deep breath and really try to you know rationalize my thinking and honestly when I we have to plug the situation in but you're plugging it into your code of ethics and how you respond. Uh, you know that's how you that's how you maintain your code. You know, Chris, where have you been picking up how to be an ethical person? Ethics uh, they come directly from your upbringing, mm-hmm. and um, they also come from the uh, the experiences that you've had uh, outside. You know, just. I guess probably more like being an adult and stuff like that, stepping into jobs positions, stepping into uh, your own, having to make choices for yourself. Uh, Mm -hmm. But originally, I would say it has a direct tie to your upbringing and what you you were exposed to and and how people showed you the world as a youth. You know what I'm saying? And and what boundaries were set for you as a a kid, you know? I think it's a direct reflection of that, and and you know, obviously, you know your respect for uh, for the boundaries that people had set for you, and uh, you know, definitely the boundaries that you set for yourself now. Now that yeah. you're, you're older, so. that resonates too. Because now that I'm raising Scoob, my oh, puppy, yeah. you know, Chris put up a good point. It's like you know how you how you discipline a child or a dog or whatever, how you train them, how do you teach them about what's good, what's wrong. Like that's you know, bad boy, good boy, like what, how you respond to them. And I think even within that, like, what are your methods of responding? Yeah, you, you know, it, it all, it gets ingrained in the the person. I think our parents set us up for success. Exactly. And, uh, you know, they, 
they they give you opportunities and they put you in places where they know that you know you'll have the best uh, chance of succeeding and they kind of create the barriers for you so once they, they give you this area to explore and be your own you know and uh, when you press the boundaries with them obviously they put you in check right. and they say alright <laughs> you're getting out of line yeah. you know you you were forcing it you gotta you get back where you know what I'm saying? Cruising. Exactly. Cruising. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you know when you hit the walls, man. Yeah. And, and those mean, development years are just so important. I think a lot of that is where um, a lot of people people's ethics comes from. Like, really just right and wrong. How you call back to episode two, uh, perceptions. How people perceive you in your actions as well as how you perceive people in their actions. And I do think it's um, what Bo brought up is really good, learning from other people's mistakes, because I think a lot of us, we do make mistakes, and I think it's our duty to learn from them and, you know, like prevent them, prevent us from making those mistakes again. But I think we can allow other people to make that mistake because sometimes learning from, your, learning from it yourself mm-hmm. is a lot you know, more important, is more important than having it, you know, lectured to you. Right. Like, but, but you would can you say even now as an adult, Antonio, do you push the boundaries sometimes? I, I, I honestly do. Like, I sometimes, I, I, I think one of my flaws is I just need, I need to know when to just shut up. Because <laughs> sometimes I, I like to push. Because I, you guys know me, I, I call people on bullshit. That's the person I am. At the same time, I don't like conflict. Yeah. So, some, of course, I just need to pull back. But I think that stands in code with my ethics. Like, you can't be peddling bullshit and not being called out for it. Yeah. Right. That's just me, though. So, <laughs> so you would say, you know, not only does it come from your upbringing, but it's a constant, ongoing thing in life. Oh, absolutely. Where, you know, you we have these boundaries that are set up by society or by, you know, otherwise. And, uh, you know, we, we do push them mm-hmm. a little bit. We do tread some lines and you know try to get away with stuff sometimes that's uh you know maybe a little bit outside of what we're doing just to see yeah you know yeah um, just to see like because sometimes people are forcing it is all i'm saying exactly and and there's always some kind of there's always some kind of response to that there's always repercussions that mm-hmm. that puts puts us back you know kind of in check where we need oh, yeah. where we should be um you know you sometimes you do have to check yourself if I can ask, what, what if we could like make this like homunculus, this amalgamation of ooh, what an ooh. ethical person is? Can you say one time homunculus? We need to write that down for the uh, spelling bee show. But go ahead. <laughs> it's like you know amalgamation. So if um, what was we, the second one? Amalgamation. What did I say? Amalgamation, amalgamation, amalgamation wow. and homunculus. That will be on the uh, gas station spelling bee. But yes, sorry. Go ahead. Um, what does an ethical person look like? When we look at them, like, you know, we know that they're of like, uh, sometimes people who operate ethically, they don't always do like a popular thing. Yeah. Like, what do we see as someone who's like an ethical person? Like, we know, even though we don't always agree, they're doing this because they have a strong code of ethics and it's like right and wrong. Um, that's a good point. And, for me, I think someone who obviously holds up their their beliefs, like strongly holds them up, but doesn't uh, doesn't necessarily look down on those who who don't. You know, there's there's a certain level of understanding, and you could be the highest and most mighty, most holy person, but 
you know, it doesn't happen overnight. And I think the biggest thing to remember is it's a, it's an everyday thing. You know, uh, I had a rabbi tell me one time where it's like in, in Judaism, there's 613 commandments, right? Now he asked me, he's like, does the guy who, let's say it's, it's a, it's a staircase, right? The guy who's on step 612 or 613, right? Is he a better person than the guy who's on step three? And the obvious answer, oh yeah, more than likely. And he brought it back. He's like, well, the guy who's on step three or step four was on step two yesterday. And the guy who's way up at the top was even higher. So it's really not about where you're at. It's, it's the direction you're going and how you're always elevating. And I thought that was a beautiful point. So similar to that, I think as long as you're upholding it on a daily basis, trying to get better. And even if you're, you're not a thousand percent the most ethical person or most moral person, I think if your heart is in the right place, uh, you know, and you're working towards being better, for me, if I can see that in someone who's who's genuinely trying to be better, yeah, I think that's an ethical person. I think we're doing the best that we can, um, and and the only really kind of kind of thermometer on 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 uh, somebody's ethics, I would say, is the uh, demonstration that they make, mm-hmm. and we we all make demonstrations every day. You know, even this now, me sharing these words and, you know, just just talking on this podcast is uh, may 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 be a demonstration of what I believe in. And it may help somebody to understand me a little bit better if they're wondering, you know, hey, is a Chris an ethical guy or whatever? They can listen to the words that I say and, uh, you know, kind of make their own make their own opinion on me or whatever. Yeah. But it, it all comes down to the demonstration that you make. At the end of the day, given the situation that you're in and the choices that you have to make. So, um, you know, we're all faced with that as human beings and, you know, whoever has eyes can see. And I think that's the real thermometer is, uh, you know, you judge judge somebody, you know, their character by the demonstration that they make. I like that. Yeah, I think when um, I th- if I were to come up with like an ethical person, like I'm not going to name anyone, but I feel like everyone has a code of ethics that like everyone agrees on like right and wrong like don't hurt anybody tell the truth Mm -hmm. don't kill people yeah you you shouldn't do that but um like i feel like an ethical person is just like say even though they have something on the line or they have like a personal gain or a personal loss like they are just so indebted to who they are as like a person just like I go like like so you're telling me if I move this plant to Mexico I can get a raise of 2.5 million dollars but I'm losing 80 jobs in a small town mm-hmm. I'd rather take a pay cut yeah. that's a good guy that's a good fictional guy who sees just like a, who is responsible for his actions and like again, again I think ethics is varies from person to person but there's kind of like if there was like a straight shooter of just like an up and down right and wrong kind of person even though we don't always agree with them like we know that they're not like you know bullshitting us right that's true very true so I have a list of topics that I want to discuss I know <laughs> Shlomo was really smiling about this um, it's topics that uh, they have an air about them of it being ethical and unethical. So we'd love for to hear what you guys think on these topics. So we have four. I have three written down, but I thought of another one um, after I sent this in that's going to be 
quite the topic. So the first topic, which is a reason why a lot we couldn't get a lot of people on this episode, <laughs> is um, pornography. Is mm-hmm. it ethical? Yes or no? Just to like the tea. Like we're not talking about like you know preferences yeah, yeah, or yeah. like. So what is it ethical? Debate discuss. Well, uh, that's a complicated answer. Mm, I agree. Um, because there are parts of porn or the porn industry that are very, very unethical. Um, I don't want to really get into details, start naming this or the other, but you know what I'm talking about. There's, there's terrible parts of that industry. On the flip side, uh, it is an industry. There's people who've made millions of dollars, had successful careers, companies built off of it. Uh, but I honestly, the, if I if I'm thinking about it, the the scale is tipping towards it's unethical. Okay. So is it like a mixed bag, like a like a sixty forty kind of thing? Like, uh, probably seventy five for bad, twenty five for good. Seventy five cents, really? Yeah. Uh, Chris, what are you leaning towards? <sighs> Tough man. Um, well, that's why I we're think, here. We're happy to these discussions. I I have some ideas. I think but they've they've. The way that they have it set up, obviously, you have to be over 18 uh-huh. to uh, view the content, even though we know that... You know, They're not really that, checking on that. I no, mean, no. In, 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 in my case, man, you know, just being honest, I was exposed to, uh, you know, pornography way way long before I was 18, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it changed, the whole, changed the whole game for me because, you know, definitely wasn't uh, seeing that at school and stuff like that, probably. <laughs> Yeah. Um, whether or not it is ethical uh, is a hard question because, you know, like Shlomo was saying, it it is a business in and of itself, and they've set up like some rules for it. Uh, you know, I don't think I don't think pornography should be as easily accessible as it is. You know what I'm saying? Like you could just pull it up. I agree. And yeah. kids now today. They have the tools now to just pull it up. Back when I was a kid, man, like the tools were there, but like you had to go find a VHS or, you know, (laughs) get a magazine from somewhere. 1960, no, 1985 (laughs) magazine. Like you, you had to, you had to go source it out. Mm -hmm. I mean, kids, kids today, man, can just type it in and it's right there for you. It's it's even on Google. Uh, Yeah. If you can search a Google images, man, I mean, you know, they, the, the images are there for you, so turn on the safe search, parents. And You're welcome. Many, many of them don't, um, but uh, I think I think that part of it is is detrimental. You know, I I don't um, I don't think that you know youths are necessarily ready for that um, as soon as it's as soon as you know it's readily accessible. I have a hard time kind of articulating okay. what I want to say with that, but. I'm just saying that, you know, that part of it I find unethical, man, that it's so readily uh, accessible, like walking into a convenience store. Yeah. It's literally that simple. You know, you just type it in and here it is. I want to piggyback on that, though, when you said it's detrimental, because I agree. You know, I think kids get a false sense of relationships, too. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know. That that thing having sex is a very intimate, very personal thing, and I think that when in porn it's just very casual, very nonchalant, and they might have a, a skewed sense of 
of how it goes down. Yeah, that's exactly it. When I was uh, getting uh, ready for college, we had someone come up and talk to us about like, you know, safe sex on college campus because you know a lot of stuff happens in college. Right. And one of the ho- one of the things that she was uh, Maria Falzoni was her name that she the one of the points that she drove home is that porn is not real. Of course, it's not real. It's it's plotted out and it's shot and it's edited. And I think in the wrong hands, it is detrimental is what Chris brought up because there have been instances where kids who see this stuff, it does kind of warp their perceptions on what's okay and what's not okay. And adults too. Adults too, exactly. They could become addicted to this shit, Mm -hmm. man. Just as easy, man. Kids could become addicted to this, bro. But when we look at um, how the industry operates, it is an industry and it fills the need. There is like a need, there's a market for it, and they cater to the market. And what it is, is I think they're very explicit on this is for adults, this is for you. And of course it goes back again to if your kid is looking for this, maybe because you don't wanna talk to them about sex, or because you know they hear about it and they're curious. I'm not throwing blame, but I think we all take responsibility, the parents, we all take responsibility to make sure that we have these proper discussions mm-hmm. with our kids. If you want to be fair, have it like have a, like a friend like switch, like you talk to their kids and they can talk to your kid. You know, if it makes it a little less uh, difficult. Yeah, parents um, need to set up those guidelines for sure. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, and and my mother tried to do the best she could, but she still couldn't give me keep right. it keep it away. You know, there are some things that, you know, you just can't hide kids away from the world because they're gonna find it. They're someday. gonna find it somehow. It's it's out here, you right. know, just like drugs or anything else, man. And um, you know that that makes me think that, you know, in an all or nothing situation, you know, should these should they be able to do it because they want to do it, or like mm. you know. Mm. Who, who are we talking about? I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying. Oh, okay. You know, I'm just saying no, about nobody in particular. But you know, with the, with the, with the porn stuff, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, should it be out there, or should it not be out there? I mean, like, you know, I guess we all we all accept it as a society. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's out here, and we accept it, and that's cool. And you know, they do what they do, and you know, parents will continue to try to, you know, set the right guidelines and stuff with your kids. But honestly. Instead of hiding it, I think I think it should be a more open conversation. You know, definitely. I think. I think. Yep. I, think I think we need to tell our kids about pornography and how we feel about pornography, so that they know. Mm-hmm. There's you know also a oh yeah yeah. There's also kind of an aspect that is often overlooked. It's an economical factor. How a lot of these people who are in this profession, we'll call it, who are in this profession, often make very little money very little money and practically nothing and what happens i've watched a lot of documentaries and read up a lot about this this is before you know the concept of this episode came i've always been up trying to figure out how this world works so a lot of these people they kind of work their way up from nothing with attempts to get kind of picked up by one of the big players in the field and i feel like how like there's a ticking clock on a lot of the performers in this it's a lot like how remember back in the day when no you know not for us but back in the way back in the day like uh 
what are those called? Uh, flight attendants were fired when they turned 30, something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they're on a ticking time clock, and if they rely, they have this false sense of security that, oh, well, I'll just migrate to a different genre, or I'll just move to a different studio. Um, that might not always be the case, because there might not be a market for you or for what you do, and then they just kind of are dropped off, and they really don't have anything else that they could do. The industry is different now. It's a lot more accessible for, like, people starting up. But if they were, like, top of the world and then they get dropped off, and if they don't have any other skills besides Mm -hmm. this, what could happen? I got something to bring up. So this is – we're talking about, like, the traditional, like, commercial porn industry. Now, what do y'all think about OnlyFans? Oh, you know what? We're Mm. in uh, right now, late August 2020, this topic is actually very contemporary because of Miss Bella Thorne. (laughs) Yeah. So finessed. The way that I see it, uh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to figure it out. So OnlyFans, their purpose is to spawn, not sponsor, but Mav creators monetize what they do. And I think a lot of what we know, because I actually read someone talked about what else is on OnlyFans besides all the the nudie stuff. Mm-hmm. Like some people put like like exercise videos, or they'll do like courses right or like art stuff but there's other stuff that only fans has but i again i think it goes back to if you're putting yourself out there and there's a need for something that you're selling and you can do it it uh you can as long as what you're doing doesn't go in the wrong hands that's just me yeah and also you kind of set your own boundaries Mm -hmm. you know if you're if you're an only fans producer you know you're doing your own thing content creator yeah Yeah, content creator like the content you create it's like you can go as far as you want to go so you're you're your own boss i think that's a little bit more ethical than the actual like porn industry i think i think it's an expansion on the porn industry you know i think i think um as with any business or industry you know they have to kind of learn how to evolve and stuff like that and i i mean i see only fans as an expansion on that because you know, um, typically they're serving the same market. Mm-hmm. You know, those people who do visit, you know, pornography and they're into that and, you know, they uh, they frequent it. You know, those are the folks that are going to subscribe to the OnlyFans. Those are the folks who are going to feel like it's cool. Yeah, I, I get money here anyways. I spend money in this industry anyways. So what's, what's a thing if I want to, you know, um, follow, maybe they're following even. A performer from one of these larger yeah, platforms, exactly. Pornhub or X Videos or whatever, and they follow a performer over via their Instagram or right. whatever they follow them there, and they find out, oh, there's there's additional content for what I like, you know. It's pretty uh, much what can make them feel gonna, a little I'm bit better. Subscribe. So I think it's an expansion on the porn industry, right? Um, with with specialization on the individual performer, so. A lot of the folks that you're going to find that are on OnlyFans are also on some of the larger platforms, mm-hmm. and they have content there, and they may be doing, you know, the most mm-hmm. on their own subscription services because they're trying to convert, uh, you know, the folks that they have on this particular platform where they're not getting paid as much into, you know what I'm saying, that what they're building over here. Right. And they're trying to run that up, so... It I mean, from a bus- too, from a yeah. business standpoint, man, I under- I understand it a hundred percent, and I think OnlyFans is is an expansion on uh, 
on some of the larger platforms with mm-hmm. with specialization on the individual performer or you know um actress act- yeah yeah uh, just, a, just, a, just a quick question what percentage of the content on only fans would you guys classify as like adult entertainment because i remember when i had a conversation with someone hmm. else about podcasts they said that a vast majority of podcasts are religiously based and i'm like really Really, I would That's, have to say it's a hundred percent, man. Because really, yeah, I mean, you have to be eighteen. Um, they ha- they set the same guidelines up for OnlyFans mm-hmm. uh, as they would any other adult entertainment uh, platform. Right. So, you know, regardless of whether you're doing art or whatever, whatever, the the market for you is going to be Adults. similar or the same as a larger platform. You know, with the same maybe code of ethics and these kinds of things, no underage, no certain things. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Um, But I would I would have to speculate that 100 percent of it is adult entertainment. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Because Uh if kids are on it, they're lying. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, just because those are some of the, the prerequisites for even opening an account there to to view some of that content. Sean, what, what are you thinking? I have an idea, but what are you thinking? What percentage of it? Uh, I don't, uh, you know, from zero to a hundred. It's all speculation because I'm I don't really use it. Um, but yeah, if I had to guess, uh, I'd say a good amount. However, uh, I do a good amount of uh, streaming, um, doing with podcast work, and uh, I notice on OBS you can stream directly to OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, on a, on a show standpoint, I know with podcasts. Everybody wants to do a podcast and, uh, you know, it, I mean, unless you have your own studio, it costs money. And so on the flip side of things, you know, you want to get sponsorships or you want to get, you know, fans, donors. So Patreon kind of paved the way for that subscription based thing. But to see businesses like OnlyFans, it's essentially it's a tool. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. these adult performers, they're, they're entrepreneurs in, the, in their own right. You know, their, their body is their business. And for podcasts, like their content is as well. So using the platform for that, I understand it. Now, when it comes to how much of it as is like porn, I don't know. I'd assume a lot of it because that's kind of how when I think of OnlyFans, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's like kind of like a porn site. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the digital landscape. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like me getting on Pornhub trying to teach you math. (laughs) Like, of course, I can do it. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm an adult and I meet the guidelines. But I think it would be popular, though. But I mean, <laughs> no. Ironically, for, though, forty-five minutes are waiting for something to happen. At the end, they're like, "Well, actually, you know, I I now know how to divide." Trig <laughs> is easy. Yeah, man. Get that thing t- out of your hand and uh, <laughs> let me show you how to do. Uh, Put that algebra. down and pick oh, up a pencil. God. Pick up your pencil. Yeah, pick up. Your- Those nuts. Yes, I. I'd give it a, I'd say 98. I was going to go a little lower, but you brought up Patreon because mm-hmm. I think Patreon, Patreon is a is lot great. more right. open and accessible where OnlyFans has a stigma. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think a lot more conventional, accessible art would be on Patreon compared to and OnlyFans. You're blurring the lines because it's like, yo, if you're doing some art or if you're doing like some other stuff and mm-hmm. you know that you may have a younger demographic that might be interested in that by having them subscribe to a platform like OnlyFans, which is designed for adults mm-hmm. you are running the risk 
of maybe exposing them to right. something at the bottom of the page that could be nuts. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mind, like, no pun, pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could be nuts, man. But, you know, no, I know. Definitely. Alienate your audience and lose your money. Yeah, I mean, it's point. it's a twisted thing. And it's like, you know, you have so many choices in the digital landscape about where you can set up your thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I think I think it would be more um, more lucrative and more more in line to kind of find find that place on the digital landscape that's going to fit best with what you're doing definitely and when when people people say only fans and stuff like that you know i immediately jump to adult entertainment yep mm-hmm. so that's why i said 100 percent of it is adult entertainment regardless of if you're doing art i'm going to consider it adult entertainment because of the digital landscape mm-hmm. and what and where you chose to put that you know what i'm saying i don't know you could be teaching me math or show <laughs> or showing me your art but you know chances are if i'm paying you know you might, you know, something. you might show me a little something. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? If, if any ladies out there want to teach math on the internet, we got your first customer. Hey, <laughs> it's Chris. Uh, I just want to briefly go back to the, about that. Yeah, go back to the main topic real quick. Um, there are people who uh, adult film advocates who go to the baseline of if it's all consenting adults doing things that are legal then I don't see that I have a problem with it. And I think there's also an angle of... This is a very big can of worms, so I'm going to tread very cautiously of people who are in these productions because there are a lot of sex-positive people who this is what they want to do. They They enjoy it. Yeah, this is what they do. They want to occur this notoriety in this way and if they figure out when we when we kind of in episode two of remember one of the 2010s with frankie Wahlberg, we veered off very quickly on the idea of sex work i remember that yeah that was a lot of fun we we're supposed to be talking about football and uh, i'm trying to remember so um it gives people who are like that uh that outlet who may not have a conventional outlet because if they don't have a conventional outlet where it's decently regulated and mostly safe, then, mm-hmm. you know, God only knows what could happen. They could be yeah. on the street, and it would be a lot safer, but considering that a lot of these productions, so I've heard, test, uh, do health screenings frequently. Right. Another thing, too, is it gives them uh, an opportunity to, you know, earn their own money. Mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a friend who does it, and she's saving up to, like, move out and have her own apartment and stuff. Like I, I, I get that. I understand that. That's, Anyone I know? Uh, no, probably not. All right, boy, you was intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> Chris knows her. Um, but no, like I think that uh, you know, when you, it gives them an opportunity to not have to rely on, you know, their parents or you know, sometimes like sugar daddy, sugar mama type of thing. Like, you know, it's it's an opportunity to to build your your brand essentially. Yep. I so agree, man. if I were to if I were you know. Content. Yeah, if I were to pound the gavel on the topic of pornography, on ethical, I am kind of leaning towards ethical with exceptions and regulation because I do kind of feel like there is a need and there's a service and it is up to them and up to us to make sure that this this isn't misused. Right, and if we don't want to do that responsibility, then what results in that is on us, and that doesn't make us so ethical. Right, I agree. it's it's it's, re- it's widely accessible, which is why I think, you know, parents should 
should look at you know what i'm saying the way that they they deal with the situation and kind of kind of just take it head on as they would any other thing that they didn't want their children involved in you know kind of just talk about it man put it out there in the exactly. open look these things are out here and um this is the reason why you know i think that you shouldn't you shouldn't be doing it until you know you're an adult right yeah talk to your kids you know these things are for adults man it's like just like when you're drinking a beer you, you can have beers in the fridge and your kids won't touch them you know what i'm saying and it's because you set up explicit boundaries that this is an adult thing mm-hmm. you don't touch this this, is, in the this freezer. is not for you <laughs> comes back it's all frozen you know? <laughs> and there Random. will be although i tell you that this is not for you now and you can see it every day there will be a day when you're responsible enough mm-hmm. to decide for yourself whether or not you want to have this adult thing and mature enough right too. now I think maturity is a, for is a right now i set the boundaries and this is what it is i right. think this is a conversation people need to have with their children but because of the stigma of pornography and sex work etc you know people just don't really want to talk it's an about uncomfortable it. thing yeah, to talk yeah, about people yeah. don't want to talk to the things that they brought into the earth via sex about <laughs> the thing that brought them into the world because i don't, I don't know what it is because i never really got a full informative sit down it was more of a do you know about this do you know about this make sure you do this okay got thanks it. <laughs> I gotta go to school. Got English coming up, but that was a that was a, that was a good convo. We got uh, three more of these. Yeah. So um, you brought this up very briefly, uh, Shlomo, about uh, it. Actually, it brings up a lot of the points we talked about earlier. Being a having a sugar mama or a sugar daddy or being a sugar baby, mm-hmm. ethical? Yes or no, Chris? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shlomo, you was about to say something. I'd say yeah. I mean, it's up to whoever uh, is the the daddy or the you know like whoever's like got the bread. It's up to them. Like they know damn well what it is. Like if there's a seventy five year old, eighty year old dude who has a sugar baby who's like twenty two, like you you already know the vibes. Like he knows damn well what's going on, and vice versa. Like for the the younger person, if whether it's a sugar mom, like if I had a woman who's like fifty six loaded, like. We both know what it is, and you're adults. I think like bringing it back to the main point. It's like if you're of age and you're you're mature enough, like yeah, to each his own. Who am I to tell people how to live their lives, how Chris, to spend their money? Chris, what are you thinking? Thinking uh, along the same lines as Shlomo. You know, people have their own poor personal choice to make, and uh, you know, it goes back to uh, you know their morals and stuff like that. You really got to think about that too, and uh, that, that sometimes can be. You know, funny thing. Yeah, I think you know, I like sometimes can be immoral, especially if somebody's taking advantage or that's mm-hmm. true. You know, or you know, basically stealing. Speaking of yeah. that, too, you see sometimes like uh, <laughs> let's know? say there's like an older gentleman, and uh, you know he starts dating a younger girl, they get married or whatever, yeah. and then he dies. He leaves all his bread to this to this ran well not random but like this this younger person, and then like the sister and the cousin and the you know. The grandkids are like, yeah, what about me? And they get screwed out of it. But hey, it's his money. Yeah, that's um, it's. I think it is a very case by case scenario. I think a lot about it as in, I'm going back to my code of ethics. If you like want to be a sugar baby or have a sugar mama, sugar daddy, you know, to each his own. It's up to you. 
but I do have reservations on people potentially being exploited. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, especially in this day and age, know what's coming to them if they engage in this. Like, I get 20000 every three months, but I have to go to Aspen every weekend to hang out with him. It's very contractual. But I do... Again, my reservations are... I think it's like some a predatory relationship. Yeah. In a way, it's like, you know, you owe me. Yeah, like, I is know. Is that even yeah. a real relationship? That's exactly, I I don't exactly like that. because like, I think it goes both it's ways. It's more of an arrangement right. than, a, than a relationship. It's mm-hmm. like, all right, cool. It, it, it's almost business. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Honestly, I'm going to take a strong stance. I strongly am against it. And I'm a big believer of like, yo, you got to earn your own money. Like, you shouldn't be mooching off of somebody. Sex positive people. What do you mean? Sex positive people might disagree and they say, well, this is something that That's I do right. well. They can disagree with me. Okay. We'll have a conversation. But, you know, I don't I don't Long believe in it. I, I know that it goes on. Uh, and on the flip side, you know, there's some lonely old people who just want companions. But I, to be honest, I really don't buy that. You know, just want a companion. Hey, but you're as paying long them. As they ain't passing this thing off as a relationship, because sugar mama, sugar daddy, baby thing is is an arrangement. Yeah, it's it's a business thing. I'm gonna give you some money, and you go give me some honey, <laughs> and that's it. Sometimes you know what I'm that's and, a good way to put it. Yeah, sometimes it's not. I- it's people play house sometimes with their sugar babies or sugar mamas or whatever, but it's not. It's not reality. It's in reality. Gems. Would this person even be kicking it with you if you wasn't doing this? Right. If there was no arrangement, it wasn't and that's, getting bread, that's the yeah. real question you got to ask. And then, you know, the truth of the matter is, it's an arrangement. Yeah. You know, going back to the um, topic of exploitation, because I feel like even though there is some disagreement on here, ain't nothing wrong I, with an arrangement, though. Yeah, I really do think some people, like older folks are genuinely lonely because like say like you know you you lose everyone right and everything you hate everyone you who lives at the home or you inhe- or you your wife died like 10 years ago when you lived in that house and you just you just can't get out anymore i really do think people genuinely are married but i feel like they think the way to alleviate my loneliness is to open up my coffers hmm. my to cuz and then i feel like when they don't see if they're being taken advantage of because manipulation is isn't just like a full on starts right away. It starts off with, oh, can I have fifty bucks tonight, or can I go have like five hundred right. next week? And it slowly goes up. Like, do you remember like the? Uh, I I think Al Gore brought this up. We're talking about Al Gore now. There's a an allegory of if if a frog jumps into a pot of boiling water it's going to drop out because it senses it right away but if a frog jumps into a boiling water into water if it goes into a slow boil it's not going to know until it's too late and it you know dies yeah, yeah. so i feel like there is something that you, you brought up it can be predatory i think on both sides because some people older people with money can seek out desperate younger people to kind of be in that, to be at their will that part of it is 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 unethical i don't mm-hmm. I don't think that, that selling your body um, in terms of physical sex is uh, is cool. I don't think that's the right thing. I don't think you're sending the right messages with that. I don't think it's good in terms of, like, from a social standpoint. 
mm-hmm. to put yourself in that position. But people do it all the time. And, uh, you know, it can get it can get ugly yeah. sometimes, you know, and it can lead to other things that are very negative. It's, it's definitely not leading to, to a very positive situation. Oh, no. yeah. Especially when they become financially, like, dependent on the sugar mama sugar. Like, that's when it's it can be very, I mean, off the bat, it's bad, but, like, that's when it can be very, very bad. So let me present you with a hypothetical because you brought this up, and I think it's something that's worth talking about. Yeah. So say you do have, like, an older man or an older woman, and they have a little girlfriend who's, like, in their, in their 20s or in their 30s, and they and this person does die. And a lot of money gets left to that younger person. And they go, how dare you? This doesn't belong to you. And she responds back, I have been by his side for two years. I have never seen any of you. You weren't there for any birthdays. You never invited him home for Christmas or but dinner. I have been there for him. No matter how long or short it was, I was one of the last ones hmm. there. Antonio, so I don't think still an arrangement. You weren't in a real relationship with that person. I do get how... And this... And even leaving them something in the will is almost like the person's just fulfilling the arrangement. Just cashing out, yeah. In the last of the Sending last, like, last yo, invoice. you know what? We've had this arrangement going for so long. Here, just take the rest. Yeah. yeah. It's like leaving a tip. Yeah. That's <laughs> it, pretty much pond. all it is. I mean, you know, when that's the way I see it. Yeah. You know, other people might see, like, that's, that's why I said that, man. And I'm like, yo, don't try to make it a relationship. When it's a business, yeah. Don't see. Don't, don't try to pull the wool over people's eyes and be, I loved him, and you know what I'm saying. I cared for him, and like there were real feelings. When you know for a fact it was just an arrangement. Right. Like don't you look for more than what it actually was. Because people who people who actually love each other, they don't put expectations on that person. They're not mm-hmm. like yo, you got to be happy every day of the week or else this isn't gonna work. You don't say that. Right. You just work through whatever. You don't say. You know, oh, you got to take me here and there and everywhere, or else I'm gonna leave you. Then, you know, it's not a real relationship, right? You know, when you're relating to somebody, you're there because you want to be there. You're not there for any kind of external, yeah, uh, other things. If if external things come to you, then cool. But right, you know, you're not. You that should be the main purpose. Expectations on your partner, man. I mean, you know, that's nuts. Oh yeah. If I can ask you both, it's just a very simple, like a yes or no, and why and what. Do you have that ethical, you know, instinct? Could you, because we're still young guys, we're not inviting anything, but could you be a sugar baby? Like, have that, you know, have that be up to you. We all have different codes of ethics. Like, I'll just start off with me. I honestly don't think I could. It sounds nice, but part of me in, like, the back of my mind knows that, like, like, what am I doing? Like right. I get what I'm. I I I do understand what I'm doing, but maybe in the back of my mind, it's someone here is being taken advantage of. Right. The person who's giving me money or me, and I just don't feel. I I would I would feel better off to just not have that on my mind. I don't think I could do it. As tempting as it may sound. Yeah. No. Like you said, it sounds. You know, hypothetically, yeah, it sounds great, but. I'm the type of person where like I like to work for what I got and I've I've spent years of my life building what I've built and for me to go into that type of arrangement uh, I just see it as a waste of time personally I, I think it would waste my time it would be a distraction and at the end of like at the end of the, the 
if you want to call a relationship at the end of it, you're not getting anything out of it. So I, I wouldn't want to waste my time or their time. Yeah, it's not for me. Um, I'm, I'm a reality person. I'm pretty down to earth, and um, you know, I, I would rather I would rather have uh, have those kind of people around me than to have uh, somebody who's constantly putting an expectation or tapping my pocket or you know, I just it's not mm-hmm. for me. Right. But you know, to each their own. Despite all that, I think I would. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think I do deem it as ethical, but I think you have to understand what is going to be expected of you on all people who are willing to participate in this. Yeah. So, like as Chris said, to each his own. So, parents, uh, listen up again because this is an interesting topic, and it's um, lying. Ethical, yes or no? No. No. Well. (laughs) Dishonesty. Well. I think in the circumstances, like, if your kid asks you, like, is Santa Claus real? And you're like, yeah, of course he's real. Like, And we'll cut off right there. Yeah, you're lying. You're definitely <laughs> lying. Granted, like, my kids are, you know, will be Jewish. So they won't really need to know that. But uh, if we're talking about an actual, like, a lie, just a bold-faced lie, yeah, that's 1,000% unethical. I know Chris was very uh, adamant on this. Again, man, ethics... Uh I believe belong in the workplace, uh, things like that. So, I mean, when it comes down to like your job and people exchanging money with you and, you know, that agreement that you have with your job that you're going to come in and do this and do that and operate in a kind of way, uh, you know, lying and dishonesty has no place there because, you know, it's detrimental to the business. It's uh, it's uh, it's not progressive. It's not Mm -hmm. it's not going to lead anywhere and anything like that um, to anything good. So. So I'd have to say it's unethical. Yeah. I see lying a lot like a boomerang. Like the first lie is just the throw. And for the rest of your life, you're always going to be on your guard, whether to catch it and throw it again and deflect it. Or one day it's just going to whack you in the head. Because I feel like a lie is always an invitation to like have a situation get worse. Though, granted, I do understand like... Like that, like this is like a whole thing that I've been contemplating myself. Like, say, I know I've known someone for a very long time, and say that they have had a very a checkered past, and that can be whatever you want, but it's something that would be so earth shattering to you that you don't want to hear it. You don't want that image of someone to be kind of like faltered or smashed so you kind of willingly live with the lie to make yourself feel better like say for example like i i really don't i don't really know like like a, like a i really don't know but like something just so it just changes the perception of someone else so permanently that you would rather just like live with that lie and like a lie that they told you yeah hmm like you were married or something, and then like somebody told you that they had like a hole in the family, and you're just like, "Damn, I got fully invested in this." Oh thing. well, not. Nah, I don't know. Like, is that an example? Well, it, it could be like it would. It Imagine would be that like, you married someone for like thirty years, and they're like, "Oh, by the well, way, he those uh you know those trips to Seattle for business." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got like four other kids. Another one. It's like right. what? That's a bit. Uh, that's I a don't bit even out. know you. Right, that's a bit out there. But uh, what, what do you guys think of that? Because even like. It could even be small things, like because we know sometimes it's not important. It's not important to lie about small things, but small things are the easiest thing to lie about. Hmm. Yeah, I like to keep the, 
conversation of ethics and like I said, man, external. So yeah, I mean, when it comes to that, I don't, I don't see the point. Mm-hmm. I mean, why? So you'd rather, so you're the like hurtful truth than the yeah, joyful if I, lie. If something happened and something happened, yeah, I mean, you know, like you're a grown person, man. Nobody's gonna spank you, <laughs> like. You know, something Unless happened, you man, and like you deal with it as you deal with it. Right. Bro. That's that's part of you know being on a team or working a job or anything like that, bro. I mean, it's like if you spilt the milk, don't you know what I'm saying? Clean and it. Just say I spilt the milk; it was an accident. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Or you know, because at the end of the day, man, if you spilt the milk and you blamed it on somebody else, and they found out it was you, and they asked you again, "Did I spill the milk?" and you come back and you say, "Yeah." Then, as soon as you said that, man, you become an unethical person to right. them. And you know, when somebody thinks you're the, an ethical person or think or has a respect for you, you know what I'm saying? In that capacity, bro, and you know, this is your livelihood you're talking about. You know, why wouldn't you protect that? Definitely. You know what I'm saying? By just being honest, because there's nothing under the sun that somebody's going to spank you for. You know what I mean? And it preserves your integrity, mm-hmm. which is very important um, in regards to your relationship with your boss or, you know, others that, that Whoever, are out, yeah. outside of yourself. Man, I mean, you know, you just, it's very well put. Just say it because mm-hmm. I mean, there's only one or two things could happen. You can lie about it now, and tell the truth later, or you just tell the truth now. <laughs> That's it. it. <laughs> and two that, options. That'll be the end of it, man. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah, I've been caught in a lie before, you know what Same. I mean? And that's the reason why I could tell you it's not worth it. You just tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think that there's any... I'm trying to think of the word. Is there any... Uh, what's the word? Is there any good reason to lie, no matter how scale, no matter how small, no matter how large? Is there uh, anything like you could... <laughs> Sir, like, do you have any marijuana in this car? <laughs> <laughs> like uh, say, no, just kidding. Like say, uh, you have like a you're 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 taking care of your your nephew because his father died in a very gruesome, self destructive way, and oh. you just say, "Oh, he died in a car accident." Um, I mean, eventually the kid's gonna find out, but yeah, yeah I think it like bringing it way back to the beginning when it's like the level of maturity. Like, there's certain things that. You know, adults should be exposed to, and I think that if they're minors, yeah, you might have to lie to them a little bit. Like, and that, and with with that, if that specific example, even, you know, a three-year-old, you you're like, yeah, your dad killed himself. It's like, yeah, that's a conversation for, you know, that like you said, the boomerang. You throw it, but eventually you're gonna have to catch it and explain that whole situation. Right, so it's, it's, it's coming right back. back for you. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. At some point, at some time, man, you know that it's gonna work its way back, and you know at that point. You know, you'll be in a position of whether to lie again or, or you know, could just come clean. Mm-hmm. But it's better. It's better to me, I think, when you explain it like that, to just just come clean in the beginning, man. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the mature thing to do. And uh, you know, I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't encourage anybody to lie uh, because you know, there's only like one truth in the world about everything. So yep. if you really think about that it's going to come out and you know you're going to you're going to end up coming back to that anyways you oh, know yeah. what I'm saying and, and you don't want to come back in shame yeah so that's facts yeah i just yeah. want to say that the whole uh thing i made up about lies being boring i just completely made that up 
like right as we we're saying that was smooth. it. So we should that should be that a was thing. A good analogy. New mass yeah. music radio merch. Lying is like a boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> Slap it on a T. Let's yeah, do it. We'll see about that. So we have one last topic on uh, ethics, and it's a little more or as more. It is more of an up or down. Um, zoos are zoos ethical and by zoos you know you go uh. you go to like let's just say franklin park zoo because i think it's Joy, one that Joy, a no. lot of us are familiar with or like right. or like the or in uh you know new york city or just like just zoos in general like how do we feel on that because um, i think it's pretty polarizing one of the most polarizing uh things on here you know i've enjoyed going to zoos looking at animals like yo what the hell is that thing you know but uh I think it really stems in the treatment of the animals. Uh, some of the animals that are in zoos were like mauled and injured, like you know, so they nurse it back to help and they keep it. Some animals, like they were raised by people, and like if they were to release it to the wild, that thing would get absolutely smoked. So, to a certain degree, I think it uh, it's case by case. Um, exactly. You hear a lot of horror stories though, on like you know them abusing the animals. You see like skinny little lions, and it's like. You know, there's there's two different flip sides of the coin, especially with like SeaWorld. I know it's like a hot topic. Yeah, Blackfish, what a yeah. crazy movie. See, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't want to go see a shark. I don't want to see a shark anyway. I'll, I can watch it on TV. I like that's cool, but uh, yeah, I don't need to go see. I guess is a zoo is different than an aquarium. So oh well, yeah, I I guess we can talk about like you know this. It's relatively the same thing. The purpose is kind of the same mm-hmm. of displaying animals to the public while making money off of it. Like, Chris, how you feeling? I have, like, a going off of what you said, but I want to hear what Chris has to say. Uh, with, that, with that, you know, honestly, it gives me a lot to think about. Um, you know, I haven't I haven't honestly, you know, put a lot of consideration into into the ethics of, of zoos um, and whether or not, you know, that that you know i think along the lines of what shlomo was saying with the treatment of the animals is what my biggest concern is when i start to wonder or or consider you know if zoos are ethical or not um the treatment of the animals and you know removing them from their natural habitat and and trying to create an artificial habitat for them uh you know whether or not you do a good job of that or not is uh is my main concern with it and kind of kind of you know the demonstration of that again you know that's that's my 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 kind of temperature gauge Mm -hmm. on on ethics is is the demonstration that that i see that's being made so again you know the the treatment of the animals uh is is my biggest concern when it comes to ethics and i i I mean when it comes to franklin park zoo i know they do a lot of good work out there and you know they do the best that they can for those animals and uh you know, I didn't. I didn't feel like it was an unethical place. You know, but um, you know, that's that's the question that for me that comes up the most is, is the treatment of the animals. Oh yeah, exactly. I think Shlomo hit the nail on the head, which I think I might have said five other times during this episode. I've been hitting episode. nails all day, baby. Bang, bang, bang. Um, it does come a lot with treatment of animals, and mostly from what I've seen, a lot of treatment is good because you did bring up how some of these animals are rescued both from the wild mm-hmm. and 
abusive people who have like roadside zoos or yeah. have or like little Joe Exotic pens. Yeah, I knew we were, Joe Exotic would come up. <laughs> I don't even want to throw shade his way. Carol, Carol Baskin, Carol Baskin. But another thing too is they're they're very educational. Yes, you know? I learned a lot at the zoo. One of the funniest things, just a random side note, I was uh, getting lunch with my nana about a month ago, and uh, out of nowhere she goes, "Have you ever been to the aquarium, like the the one in Boston?" I said, "Yeah." She goes. Have you ever smelled the penguins? She's like, they stink. And I was like, it was the randomest, most hilarious they thing do. I'd heard in, in months. I was like, okay, good to know. That's, know? Exa- that's, a, that's a very good point. A lot of zoos, and I think this is a big thing to their benefit. I will say a lot of people who are against zoos mainly fall back on the argument of animals should not be caged. Animals should be in the wild, yeah. which is a very fair stance to have. But one of the good things about zoos that I agree with is a lot a lot of the people who work here and run these places are notable certified scientists, animal specialists, wild conservationists. A lot of the experts in the field are hired in these zoos to ensure the longevity and the prosperity of these animals. And because a lot of these places are deemed educational facilities, mm-hmm. I think it opens up and makes accessible to the public, um, to these animals, and to these, like, how, like, how, like, where are you going to find a giraffe in Montana? I don't know if there's any zoos in Montana, but it opens up and it makes these available. Hopefully, encourage more people to go into scientific careers. Yeah, and the and thing is, too. yeah, and mm-hmm. op- yeah, con- uh, talking about conservation efforts, it opens up. I'm trying to remember. Uh, it opens. Uh, dialogue. Yeah, oh, it okay. opens up the dialogue. And the thing is, um, because it's open to the public, and they can use the revenue they've raised to you know, hire the best people, make sure their animals are very well taken care of, find a new animal that has been abused, make a place for right. that. So I feel like a lot of what they're trying to do, it's a little bit of they want to educate themselves as well as take – they want to take care of themselves educate themselves, conserve uh, wildlife, and educate. And I wouldn't say they profit off of it, but the profits that they use goes right back into them. Like, that's just me. So I kind of lean towards these certified professional zoos. I think they are ethical. But if we want to get into the topic of – I think there's a difference between, like – wildlife reservations or like kind of like talking oh, about yo t- i've never been to one of those those Me are either. like where you, you hop in jeep and like lions jump on and shit yeah they're just so like a, out there a, oh man i probably wouldn't be down with that it's an area that they've actually drawn out mm-hmm. where animals can be themselves you know i know working back home at uh i used to do scuba diving so yeah. uh working back home uh, one of the last big projects that they were working on out there um, in the marine in the marina arena was a was a, a conservation area, a restricted like reserved area that they wanted to uh, tell fishermen to stop fishing there, and the Coast Guard obviously was going to patrol it and make sure that you know any any wildlife that happened to been in that area was protected from things like fishing and overfishing and mm-hmm. you know things that were affecting the uh the wildlife out there and and i think those those kind of efforts are great bro i think i think we have to share this planet 
with uh, with all the creatures. Mm-hmm. And granted, you know, development and building houses and businesses and skyscrapers everywhere is yeah, it's great. nice for us. It's great, but it's it's encroaching on a lot of that wildlife space and at their expense. Yeah. And I like to hear that, you know, they're being considered because, you know, we're not the only, uh, we're not the only creatures here that have to live, man. I mean, you know, um, I think, I think it's great, you know, to have wildlife reservations and, uh, and conservation efforts for our wildlife because, you know, they're just as big a part of, uh, of this world as we are. You really do learn a lot from these. I remember when I went to the New England Aquarium last year before the Rona, uh, my brother and I, we were like on one of the floors and this woman had like two tubes and she goes, okay, everyone, one tube has a jellyfish in it and one tube has a plastic bag in it. Which one is the jellyfish so the turtle can eat it? And my brother goes, it's obviously that one. And she goes, wrong. They're both plastic bags. And turtles eat them all the time, and that's how they off a lot of wow. them die. And I'm all like, oh, that's, question. How, that's how you learn. Yeah, that is very true, man. I've seen turtles actually. Um, that's so sad. Underwater, like, you know, trying to eat, you know, plastic, man. But there's bottles or whatever, man. They don't know, man. They're just hungry. And uh, That's awful. You mm-hmm. know, you have a lot of party boats and stuff, and they make money on the water. But uh, they don't often do a great job of, Recycling. you know. Stuff blows over the side, man. Obviously, there's your party and the cup's empty. It's, there it is. It's in the water now. And um, as as scuba divers, man, we used to, we used to, you know, that's kind of a code of ethics, I guess. But I'd always, even if I'm leading a dive and I'm showing people things, I'd always be packing mad garbage and plastic into my BCD that's wherever good. I could put it, and I'd I'd uh, I'd put it in a bucket and get it get it out of uh, get it out of the water and. You know, and it's because of the morals I have, man. Right. I care about these animals personally, so you know, I, I do my part, and I think if everybody does their part, you know what I'm saying, it's a good demonstration of what we believe in. Oh, man. definitely. That's why I wanted to do cleaner, greener Quincy with Mass Music Radio. Oh yeah, Mass Chris Music Radio gives year. back. Yeah, it was a great experience, man, to see the kids out there really, you know, in the communities, man, just doing their part, man, just picking up a little thing here, there, and everywhere, man. If, if if every person does their part, then you would really see some real change. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to say it, but you know, um, you know, taking the extra time out of your day and not being in a rush like can change everything, man. Oh yeah, exactly. It I takes think ten a- minutes to <laughs> you know clean up the plug. Yeah, you know, get it done. Just, yep. If you see some rubbish, man, just pick oh, it up. Yeah. Man, Chris, that, it I up. think that's a good way to close off the book. Of ethics, I think we got we had a lot to talk about. Yeah, that was dope. And we had a we. I think we're, we are all on the basic page, but you know, everyone do what you wish. What do you think is, um, almost said, legitimate? Uh, what do you guys think is ethical and unethical? So you know, feel free to sound off and let us know. So I got ourselves a real fun question, but this question requires a little context. So I don't remember which Super Bowl this was, but there was a Super Bowl performance. I, that was recently. I think it was number fifty-two. Which one did we just have? How about Janet Jackson? No. Which one did we just? That have? That was my favorite one. That's yeah. uh, <laughs> there. But um, no I don't even know the okay. most recent one. Yeah. Well, it was the one that had Maroon Five. Oh, okay, and, Travis Scott. And yeah. The, uh, I gotta tell you, SpongeBob thing. I gotta tell you, I hated it. It was one of the worst Super Bowl halftime shows 
I had ever seen. I'm sorry to all the fans out there. And it got me thinking. It got the cogs turning in my head. And this leads into the fun question. You have been recruited by the NFL to perform at the Super Bowl halftime show. Ah. Please describe your performance. Now, I specifically wrote guidelines, eight song max, and a special guest, but Shlomo is considering a whole different approach to a Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, I uh, I jumped the gun when I first read the question. I just read the first part, and I was like, oh, yeah, immediately would do a stand-up comedy routine. Uh, get Hello, up there. Dallas. Just start rifling off jokes. Um, I think it would be hilarious. I think uh, the funniest part is like I think a lot of people would like look at me and be like, all right, we're gonna hit the bathrooms with the snacks. So I lose about ten thousand people immediately. But the ones that stuck with me, I would make it worth their while because my special guest, very first one would be Dave Chappelle. He'd come out Ooh. and you know, I'm sort of the lead off batter, I get things going, I get on base. He comes in, he's he's gonna hit a triple, guaranteed. And so Dave Chappelle would come out and uh I would also like to have Bill Burr come out. I love Bill Burr. I think Burr. he'd be very controversial, very, very funny. Um, and then, uh, you know, just to mess with people, I'd have my Nana come out and just tell, like, probably the whatever the longest story she could tell, just have her just talk for, like, 25 minutes. I'm just picturing, like, your Nana goes up, and then everyone is just, like, mouth agape, like, in the producers. And then she says, the aristocrats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my Nana honestly would be a great halftime show. Me and her just shooting the breeze. That'd be... That's probably what I would do. I'm just picturing this massive stage and then it's like just a mic stand. (laughs) A wheeler out on the, uh, you know, the little wheelie. Couple mic stands. Oh, yeah. Keep it real simple. You know, maybe some fireworks at the end. Some pyro. (laughs) Yeah. And then I would also get a t-shirt cannon on everyone that I know. All the boys. All the homies. Just shooting t-shirts off. Pew, pew, pew. All in... And hoodies. Free merch, you know. We only have uh, them we just have a ball. Pew, pew. We would just have an absolute ball. I would just ha- try to have as much fun as possible with it. So, Chris, I want you to have as much time to think about this as possible, unless you already have it going. But I've thought about this for a very long time because I think that Super Bowl was in twenty. Oh, it was in twenty nineteen. Seems so long ago. But here's how it would start: big stage, and I will add that the floor. The floor of the stage, a lot of it can go up and down, but there's a LED screen on the floor. It's okay because there's glass on top of it. So it starts off with, uh, and a lot of these songs are my personal karaoke songs, so it's song, songs I know very well. Yeah. So it's going to be, first off, we open with Teenage Dream by Katy Perry. And the whole thing is, everyone. it's kind of like a small... 50s theme. Like you got the black leather jackets with the guys and the white shirts and the girls are in their thing that they wore in the 50s. You make me feel like I'm living a teenage dream. And then when that song finishes, there's going to be like an expl- like a, like a, like a explosion. Not a, <laughs> not, a, not a real one, but kind of like it plays into the atomic fear of the 50s. Oh, and God. then it briefly, there's a quick, quick, quick scene change and it just looks absolutely apocalyptic. And I'm suspended in the air. Oh wow! And the girl that I had earlier, like she looks rough. Like she was surviving, like like the will, like Mad Max, like Fury yeah. Road. Like she's like, and there's all these guys just coming up, and she's like all terrified of them. And then I get a spotlight on me, 
costume change. Are you going to be ziplining from the rafters? A little bit, a little okay. bit. But then I will be singing Only Girl in the World by Rihanna. But I'm switching the lyrics around. I'm going to make you feel like you're the only girl oh, in the world. Okay. And then that's probably the most ambitious, like, because it's a lot of set pieces. And as all that clears off, I'm going to do another costume change. White leather jacket, lots of white fringe. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be singing The Cure by Lady Gaga. There you go. If I can't find the cure, I'll kiss you in my love. And then, um, uh, let's see. Well, I'm trying to remember what else happened. So after that song, we slowly play... Uh, Inspiration by Chicago. You know, you're the meaning in my life. You're the inspiration. And then right before the bridge that leads into the second chorus, I go, ladies and gentlemen, Chicago. And then Chicago comes up. up. They're my guests. Yep, and they come up center stage. Oh, and while this is happening, uh, kiss cam all around the arena. Ah. So that, that'll that be good. And so then you're doing I, it for the, for the love. Yeah. I like you know, it. All, all the couples out there. And I come back in the middle of the second <laughs> chorus, costume change again. And I sing with the lead singer of Chicago. We finish up. Uh, we finish that. And I go, yeah, ladies okay. and gentlemen, Chicago, everybody. And as they descend, I start singing The Power of Love by Celine Dion. Oh, there you go. But I'm singing it in a backdrop of outer space. Like, and sounds then like, by Sounds the, like the, uh, the production is going to cost like $30 million. Worth it. We're not even near finished. <laughs> and um, after I finish that, I'm going to hook myself up on a platform. And like it'll be, it's kind of like a like a hospital, not a hospital bed, but it's like a little bed <laughs> on a massive gear. And as I'm rising up, yeah. the floor is that LED screen, and it's more like space stuff. But I'm going to be singing "Moon Age Daydream" by David Bowie. I'm an alligator. There you go. I'm coming for you. And then uh, as that finishes, and when I come down, because during there's like a last guitar solo, another costume change, but it's not a costume change. It's more of a dress down. <laughs> And I just have a white shirt and black pants. And I have to learn to play the piano because I'm going to sing a piano ballad from the movie Vox Lux. It's called Wrapped Up, and it's sung by mm. Natalie Portman, written by Sia. And that'll be my last singing song. But then there's going to be the intro of just a bunch of horns. And I'm like, what's all these horns? And then <laughs> the people will be like, oh, wait a minute. I get it. And Uh-oh. I'm going to do it right. And I'm going to finish my sh- finish my halftime show Lip syncing "Sweet Victory" from SpongeBob, and that is exactly how we're going to finish it. And I'm going to do the Squidward jump, but I'll be suspended in the air. Oh yeah! And all my dancers and Chicago will all be bowing, and everyone will get a program with everything in it. And then we'll drop the album that night. I like that. That's my halftime show. It's lit. And uh, NFL, (laughs) you can make that happen, right? So, yeah, I've been uh, dying to get that off my chest for months now. So, Chris, I know you are a very renowned entertainer here. So how do you envision your halftime show? Because I, I know you can bring a hell of a show. My halftime show is going to be like a halftime show that y'all never seen before. Oh, this I like. This is, this is going to be something revolutionary my halftime show is me featuring the yin yang twins oh my god right and (laughs) behind us is a 100 foot screen two of them three of them one in the back and two on the sides and me 
and the yin yang twin brothers in the middle right is in the middle and on those screens we have a virtual fan setup where there are literally thousands of fans and it's going to be the first interactive karaoke session and me and thousands of fans joined by the yin yang twins themselves are going to sing get low (laughs) with the most extreme display of fireworks and pyrotechnics (laughs) that's ever been seen on that so yeah yeah that that is my dream to stand on the 50 yard line with the yin yang twins surrounded by thousands of fans all singing get low and you know we're gonna be swelling up like different fans mm-hmm. yeah. so you have like old people from the window yeah. <laughs> to, to the wall, wall. Oh, come on sing with me to huh? the wall to the sweat drop down, down my ball, ball. My oh they just crawl. they crawl oh ski ski get the little kids just going Yo. nuts in the stands <laughs> and I, I think I, like I think it'll be one of the most unforgettable things well that's I don't think without so. a doubt of all time oh yeah sheesh that'll be something and they'll be going alright now let's go uh Back to the game. That yeah, was followed very... by the the uh, the Blue Angels. They got to fly oh, yeah. over at the oh, end yeah. of the song. Yeah, they flew over for the ha- for the national anthem. And they got to turn around and they got to time it just right. <laughs> yeah, upside down like this. <laughs> okay. Yep. Well, Reverse. they want to see what's going on too. Uh, awesome. So NFL yeah, that's, that's commission, uh, let us it. know what you guys like. And Don't we'll, steal uh, my idea. <laughs> we'll work something out. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, what do you guys want to do for a Super Bowl halftime show? Feel free to let us know or tell me or tell us why you liked or didn't like ours. Um, so something we always do, Chris, is when we wrap up the show, we always bring up recommendations. Like something that we've been watching or reading mm-hmm. or eating or visiting or seeing that sure. we want our fans and our listeners to share with us. So uh, anyone have any good uh, recommendations, anything that they want to bring up? The Power of Thinking Big Audiobook. Hmm. Y'all need to listen to that. And what's that about? It's, it's about your mindset. It's about, you know, uh, developing a more a more positive mindset, a more uh, expanding, you know, expanding your vision. And it's something that I listen to on a regular basis, whether I'm just riding down the highway or whether I'm at work. It's one of the... Uh, one of the books that I really enjoy listening to, and I feel like it's a good book for for anybody at any stage, mm-hmm. just to uh, you know sit back and listen to something that that's uh, gonna feed your mind something good. So definitely, you know, if you can get your your hands on uh, an audio book, uh, it's called "The Power of Thinking Big." What's it by? Uh, the book is by. It's by a man who had a vision. And all it's by he... David <laughs> J. Swartz, Ph.D. Ooh, smart guy. And uh, I saw an ad today that shows if we'd save just $100 a month, in 15 years, we'd have $18,000 plus $6,600 accumulated interest. So make sure you save that bread. Yeah. <laughs> and that was just a little blurb from the uh, actual audio book. I pulled it up to check the... Uh, the just author, just some crumbs. But, I like uh, that. But yeah, man. I mean, you know, these are, it gives you a lot to think about. So, uh, what about so, you guys? So one of the uh, uh, one of the things that I want 
something I want to recommend. Actually, I actually have two brief things. Uh, I want to recommend the first comic series that I've read in its entirety, and it's by someone whose name is very familiar on this show. It's uh, Brian K. Vaughn, and I think you guys might like this. It's a series called Why the Last Man. Have I talked about this? No. Or? no. So Why the Last Man is about a guy named Yorick and his pet monkey, Ampersand, and something happens where everything, not just everyone, everything with a Y chromosome on the planet Earth just dies off. Everything just dies off except for Auric and uh, Ampersand. So they are the last two beings with the Y chromosome, hence why the last man. And maybe it's a question, why the last man? And the whole story of why the last man is the journey of he wants to reunite with his fiance who is on the other side of the world, but at the same time, he's being cared and protected by an agent from the government and a scientist because they have to try to figure out why he was the only one alive. So it's a story of twists and turns, uh, love and loss and ethics. And it was one of the first things I've read in its entirety. And it, it's it's like if Pride of Baghdad was the taste of Brian K. Vaughan, um, why the last man was like the hook. And I'm, I'm the fish. Like I'm, this is the guy that I'm behind. And I will say that Why the Last Man is getting a television adaptation. I don't wow. remember the status of it right now because I don't I haven't been following it. But Why the Last Man is um one of the greats of the 2000s and it really uh that last uh, couple issues really got me uh going on uh, on emotion. And uh, also a very quick thing, uh go buy some stamps. You mean like the commemorative joints? Yeah, any any of them. You save at the post office. You know what? I've been oh, yeah. buying stamps, and it's starting to become a problem because I like them. You mailing a lot of stuff? Uh, the last thing I mailed actually, like, because I buy stamps for the house now. So if anything, if anyone has anything to mail, come to me. I already got stamps. Like I bought these Bugs Bunny. Let me send ones. my Nana your oh, number. I love them. <laughs> I'm gonna send my Nana your number. She asked me like once every like two months. Can you go get me stamps? And it. I do, but it takes a while. I don't know what post office you're going no, to. No, I go right? to I go to Stop and Shop. Oh, okay. I go to the post office because they have all the all, all 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 that I could want. Hey. In what varying on what varying on availability? Right. Uh, Shlomo, do you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners? Yes, I would like to recommend a website called Canva. C A N V A. Uh, I've been using it for quite some time now, and um, for someone like myself who is not is not very well versed and well uh acclimated to graphic design um it's very helpful and uh i think it's a great tool to use if you're doing any sort of marketing uh i just came up with this um somewhat of a template for like our podcast network and uh i did it right on canva i was able to design it uh there's a lot of great options there's it's free and then if you want you know certain certain graphics certain uh you know this, that, the other, that you can pay for certain items. But the free version is uh, is very helpful. And, you know, for someone who's looking to either get into graphic design or needs, uh, you know, more content, uh, it's a great place to start. So canva.com. Not sponsored. But we're willing to it. No, I don't, I don't need the sponsorship. I, you know, they've helped me 
produce so much content that I'd, I'll give them the free sponsorship. All right. And um, before we go, anyone have anything they'd like to promote on the network or anything that's going on with them? It's like, what's up, but backwards. I'm just promoting positivity, man. You know, just stay positive, man. And, uh, you know, remember your morals, man. Remember remember that and really think about it, man, especially in this time, man, with, with a lot going on. Um, you know, killing killing is wrong, man, you know. That's part of my moral compass, and uh, I hate to see it. And you know, when it happens, it doesn't make me feel good. You know, I don't care what it happened for, but um, you know, remember and uh, seriously consider. You know what 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 your morals are, man. If you're not 100% clear on it, man, because you know through the demonstrations that are being made right now um, that we see through the media, man, a lot of times, you know. Um, it's disappointing to see what what's what's truly in people's heart and uh, I think I think uh you know we could all we could all do better agree uh, you know and you've been very good at that Chris so is a very stand up young man promoting positivity man you know what I'm saying and that's that's really all I have to promote today and uh you know that's that's my contribution I like that so I'm going to flip it there. on the other side well not even flip it Oh, like uh, more violence. No, 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 not at all. Uh, on the contrary, I would like to promote a little furball that I've just recently, uh, you know, taken a liking to. His name is Scooby. Oh. And uh, if you want to follow him on Instagram, it's at Scoobito, S-K-O-O-B-I-T-O. And uh, he's the man. He's laying down right now. I think he's hungry, so I'm going to go feed him. But uh, check him out, man. It's all good content. Like Chris said, you know, there's a lot of just negative and destructive content out there and i made an instagram for scooby and i only follow like other dogs and stuff like that and i found myself on his page more often than my own and mass music so definitely uh definitely check it out if you want to see some just wholehearted good content and if you like speaking of content if you like what we do here feel free to listen to the previous episodes of MMR Talks. We have had a lot of great conversations from scams to sleep to perceptions and all that. And also, look out for some uh, big projects that MMR Mm -hmm. Talks is going to be doing in the future, and we are very excited for us. So, uh, that's going to be it today. Uh, Thank you, Shlomo Bo, for having us, and thank you, Chris, for coming in and and dropping the wisdom. You've been very good at that. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, thank you very much. We'd love to have you you back. And for all the listeners, thank you for listening to MMR Talks, and we'll see you next time. Adios. Adios.